Hi, everybody. I would like to introduce you to uh, my guest tonight, and it is Jeff Cross, who is the um, media director for ISSA. And for those of you that have heard us talk over the years about Clean Facts Magazine and the ISSA Magazine, he is the man. So, uh, Jeff, you want to come in and say a quick hello and tell us a little about yourself for those folks that have not met you yet. Well, thanks, Lance. Uh, yeah, I've been around the, the industry for many, many years, and I'm the media director for ISSA, as you mentioned, which is three magazines, but the one that most recognize is Clean Facts, which is the one for cleaning contractors and restoration professionals like you normie folks are. So I, I used to own my own company, and I, I was a journalist in my early days, started my own cleaning and restoration company, and got the itch to write again. And sometimes when I'm stuck at the desk, I wonder, why did I ever do that? Because uh, I, I think that right, right now it is beautiful, a beautiful day, and what a great day to be out there going from one job to the other, but I'm stuck at my desk looking at you, Lance, which is not a bad thing, but um, so I've been doing this work for quite a while, and I love it. Three magazines, um, we do videos, we do webinars, we do everything with media to promote our industry. So that's been, I've been with ISSA for about seven years now, yeah and other wow. companies before that owned clean facts. So, so what, what are like some of the main differences between the different publications? I mean, uh, they're obviously for slightly different markets or verticals. Yeah. So clean facts, which is the one that you folks um, help us to promote. I know when you do a class, you send us subscribers to this. It's like I mentioned for cleaning contractors, carpet, floor cleaning, commercial cleaning uh, services and restoration. We, we focus on both. It's a split audience. Uh, we have the largest print distribution and email distribution out there. So uh, that's one of our publications. The other is CMM, which is Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine. And that's more for your building service contractors, your in-house facility crews, those that clean buildings and maintain them, the uh, ones who manage that those operations. Uh, so, so some who are out there trying to get jobs, or get land accounts and others trying to hold them and keep them in-house. So a split audience there in a way, but it all works with our content. And we make, we're make, we make sure that we have something for both sides of that audience. And then ISSA Today Magazine is our member benefit publication. So if you're an ISSA member, you receive this in the United States. If you're outside the U.S., it's an email delivery. And that's more of a higher level. Uh, we call it the C-suite, which means people with important titles, like CEO, CFO, COO, and uh, all that. So when you think about our media brands, it's we have something for everyone. But if you're doing anything with mold, inspections, cleaning, uh, Clean Facts is your magazine. And I know Doug has written, he writes for us. In fact, if you look at the next issue of Clean Facts, you'll see an article that Doug has featured in, a really good piece that we put together. Yeah, I, I know he's been writing uh, <clears throat> a bunch of stuff for a while now, but to me, you know, well, first of all, you had mentioned about the uh, ISSA magazine, and that's something that all the ISSA members get. A lot of our members do have a dual membership with ISSA. Actually, we have a, uh, a special discount arrangement for our normie members that want to join as a uh, dual membership with ISSA. So that's something that they would be getting, correct? That magazine? Yes. And if they're not, if they're watching this this recording, this, if they're watching our episode here, uh, they can reach out to me and I'll figure out what's going on. But if you're a member of ISSA, whether it's with ISSA or the dual membership, uh, we will send you the print copy. So as long as we have the address, 
sometimes that's the issue. Uh, people might sign up for an organization we don't have their address, but if we have their email, they're getting the digital copy as well. Okay. Well, you know, from a, from a business standpoint, being involved with receiving all these different magazines, it, I mean, it's it's input, it's information coming at you. And there's so many different verticals under indoor air quality, which everything that we're talking about here really comes under that. I mean, I, I would assume that they would get a lot of insight from the different facets of the industries from these different magazines because they are different. And they're looking at it from different perspectives, whether it's the maintenance facility side or the actual contractor side. And I can only see that as being helpful. I agree. It is helpful. And it is a different perspective. You know, we all have the same goal to, to clean, to restore, to bring back to conditions that are acceptable, to protect health, to make buildings, homes safer, cleaner. And when it comes to media content, we all know that you have your devices, you have your iPads, you have your computer. I know I consume my news in digital format for the most part, but our magazine brands, the print, the digital, they're more thought leadership. They're, they're not so much the, the breaking news as, as the, uh, the things that we need to know about as professionals. And some of it might be a reminder because we have many seasoned contractors who are part of our audience. And we know a lot of our publications are used for training as well, because, you know, Lance, you've been around a while, just like me, you might get an article and it's like, yeah, I know that, but do the people who work for you or that, you know, know that. So a lot of our material is forwarded on and shared amongst others. I think that's the biggest thing that has been lacking in this industry previously, <clears throat> the amount of information that's out there that's really available and credible being passed out to the, to the masses that really need it. And that's not just the contractors. I mean, like you said, you have a magazine for facility management and we haven't even talked about the public because we know there's a need in the public. We just don't have the want there yet, but that's changing since COVID. I mean, all of a sudden, I know, I know you've noticed it and I have that uh, people are like this whole breathing thing is a thing and indoor air quality is important. And uh, I'm sure that's affected your business and your publication side. It has. So, you know, we, we focus, we're a B2B media team. We focus on business to business content. So when we write something, it's for people like Normie members, ISSA members, it's for them. But we get a lot of traffic on our websites from consumers. And we know uh, when someone's looking at something and, and the numbers are astronomical on the topic, the, the ones reading that is probably outside our industry to some degree. So people out there that you're working for that might be in the buildings we clean or the homes they're looking for content as well because they want to have the same thing clean air to breathe you know what do i do to make my house healthier the air i'm breathing inside i can see the dust particles in the in the sunlight what do i do with that they're looking for information and they're finding it with with groups like ours you know we're we're constantly putting out the same message about you know (laughs) how important breathing is how to improve your environment how to make it healthier, safer, cleaner. Those are the tag words that we go with. And that's really the direction that I think everybody here is really striving for. <clears throat> but the consumer, they're hungry for this information. And the more that they come in contact with our organizations, the more specific they are as far as who does work for them. I get calls from uh, contractors that are like, how do I get certified with you? I said, well, we have our pro." No, no, no I got to do it right away. Well, what's the rush? 
I'm working with the customer and they won't let us do the work unless we're Normie certified. Well, good for Normie. Well, the word's getting out there and, you know, that wasn't a shameless plug for us. That's just the way the phone calls come in. You're allowed three. Three? Oh, okay. That's one. That's one. Keep score. But the reality of it is people are seeing that there are stable and reputable uh, methods out there and they're starting to learn that. And they're learning it because now the want is there. People want this type of environment to be in. And it's publications like yours. It's the training classes that are going out there from all these different organizations pushing the same message. I think that's making the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. That was ma- If that's a question, that's the longest one I've ever had, Lance. That's a, that's a good one. It's uh, from working with Doug for so many years. You ask the question and you get the whole delivery. I hope he doesn't see this, but... I'm sure you will. So well, go ahead. So to, to comment on your comment, um, I think that things that make real change in our industry is going to be consumer driven. So if you have a product to sell, if you have an air purifier or a mold removal product or whatever it is that works, then contractors, sure, they'll buy it and they'll use it. But what if the consumers demand it? You mentioned someone had to be certified by Normie to do the job. Consumer demand. And that's where it's at. We think of green cleaning. You know, if, if that was not in demand by the consumer, by those who are paying the bills, who we work for, it wouldn't happen. Think of recycling. You know, everyone, we all know we should recycle, but where's that demand? By the consumer. It's, it's driven by them. So that's cool that someone called you and needed to be certified. We had that with ISSA as well. When the pandemic started, we have our GBEC uh, division and we had people saying, I need to be certified right now. Like, okay, here's the process. No, I mean, I right now has to be done. Well, think about it before, you know, um, ho- hopefully you're a member got certified or is, is a member now, but any professional out there that might be watching this, you got to plan what you're, you're doing and be ready instead of being uh, reactive to the demand by the consumer. But I think that's it, Lance, consumer demand. And I think Normie's probably been successful because people are aware of what you're doing and thus the professionals need to be part of you. Yeah, I absolutely agree. But you mentioned something a minute ago about GBAC and a few weeks back, we did an interview with uh, Gavin and uh, he, he's the, a big player with the GBAC side. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that affect the, the magazine uh, production that you guys do? I mean, what kind of involvement is GBAC with what you're, you're producing? Well, having Gavin on with, you know, on our videos and stuff with his Australian accent has helped tremendously. Yeah. But besides the accent, and he's proud of that, by the way, uh, Gavin writes for us and Patty Olinger, our executive director, writes for us as well. And we have Michael Diamond now, who's part of our team. We're using these experts to write, to be on video, to provide content and quotes uh, to help the industry out. The reception has been great. Uh, They know what they're talking about. I'm not the expert. I'm the journalist. I'm asking the questions and they, you know, a journalist who doesn't know the answers is probably a better one. So that's, that's where I'm at. I asked them to provide the content like that interview I did with Doug and Gavin for the article that's coming out. I asked, I don't know, eight questions or so. And the content that we have in that article is fantastic. So it'll be in two of two of our magazines, actually. I used to say today and clean facts. So you, when you deal with issues like clean and disinfecting and remediation, all of these things that are high level, you want the very best experts. And I think that's what we have with GBAC. You know, they've been with us a few years now and they're doing great work. 
And of course we work with Normie as well. And the training you folks do is great. Um, I've nothing but respect for the programs. And the thing is people have to embrace it and take it and use it and tell their customers about it too. Well, that's the biggest thing. And, mm-hmm. and the word spreads. And again, that's why I mentioned the uh, call, but we get a lot of calls like that. And usually they pass them over to me because that's some of these, you know, crisis, I need to be certified now. Well, that's nice. You know, we'll, we'll see what we can do to help you out. But uh, there's only so much we can do because of our requirements. But that's something that does happen quite a bit. But I do have a few other questions for you. And then I think we're going to switch this around a little bit. We're going kind of a different direction. But yes, I understand that ISSA is approaching a 100-year anniversary. And I, I mean, you don't look a day over 99. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure you could give us a little insight as to this 100-year path that they've gone on. Sure. I look very young because of the makeup. You know, when you're on camera, you have to have someone put the makeup on you. So there you go. And you look great too, Lance, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, thank yeah. you. And I love your office too. Very fancy. That's why you get all those phone calls. That could be fancy. it. There's nobody behind me answering the phone. That's the problem. Right. That's why they're all it's empty. Me. Yeah. Yeah. So ISSA is we celebrate our 100 year anniversary next year. So if you want to send a present or something, I'll let you have my address. So that's always welcome. Okay. But it started like uh, with seven companies. And I think the first trade show was in Missouri uh, in, in 1923. So it started with a few people getting together saying, hey, we need some collaboration. We need to unif- unify the industry. What can we do? And so about 100 years ago, they got together and ISSA was formed. And over the years, it's grown. So it started with those few members. And over the years, people recognize the value because really what is a trade association for? It's to provide member benefits and we have a laundry list of those, but also a place to be, to be heard. Uh, We have our government advocacy department. We have a way to speak to leaders out there in the world. And we want to make cleaning a better place, the industry a better place. So it started small. And since then, you know, now we have 10,500 member organizations. And you think about what that means. We're not talking about people. We're talking about companies. And a company can have 100 employees. It could have 10,000 employees. So the number of those who are impacted, who can take advantage of ISSA, is a tremendous number. And we're also global. We have offices in Australia, in in Korea, uh, Italy. And we reach the masses. We have offices to help with that. Uh, So I can't... can't remember how many countries we're in, but it's significant. We're global as an operation. And we're always looking to provide whatever people need, Um, whether it's through media. I get an idea from a member. Hey, what about this topic? We'll create it. We'll put it out there. We have training. Uh, We have our trade shows and we have other, uh, other events as well that we put out there for our members and others as well, but we concentrate on our members. You know, you mentioned global. We had, um, been talking several years back just prior to uh, COVID and we were going to be going out to Australia to do some training out there and one of the delays that we ran into was the wildfires that were covering the whole continent and uh, so that delayed us going out and then COVID hit and we couldn't go so COVID did create a situation where we weren't able to go out to Australia and provide the training that we were going to be doing. But at the same time, COVID created such a worldwide awareness of uh, breathing issues, indoor air quality, viruses, bacteria, 
and all these other health uh, things that were always there, but kept, you know, out of sight, out of mind kind of a thing. They put it right in front of everybody. So it, it did change the way that our model kind of functioned. We lost out a little bit on being able to do the training at that time, but it created such a worldwide uh, awareness that it, it has really opened up the markets. And our members are seeing that. I am sure that the ISSA teams are realizing that too, that it, it's a whole new game now. It is. And the concern I have is keeping that momentum going. So you're right. When, when, the, when COVID hit and we have the pandemic, in a way, it was good for our industry because it did raise that awareness. But what about now? I looked on the news this morning. It looks like the numbers are going back up right now. They're talking about another surge. But eventually, this is all going to level out, and we're going to get past the pandemic. What do we do with the awareness? You mentioned indoor air quality and breathing. I know that's a big uh, component of what you do at Normie. What are you going to do to keep it going, uh, Lance? What are you going to do? Well, theoretically, people can't stop breathing. So, you know, it's kind of like even in real depressions, food services continue because people need to eat. So, you know, the other industries slow down. So there's certain things that you can't stop. So the breathing industry can't go away. It's just whether it becomes something that's reachable for people to be able to decide whether they're going to have less quality of the air they breathe so they can afford food, you know, depending how bad the times get. And thank, or hopefully we never reach a situation like that. But with the awareness, I, I don't think that's going away anytime soon, at least for a generation. You know, um, people have a generational memory, I think is the way I've heard it used, that, you know, as the next group grows up, they have different things to focus on. And the previous generation's issues and problems, well, it's not theirs, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, like I mentioned earlier, things are driven by consumers or people who use buildings who are breathing that air that's so, so necessary, as you as you mentioned. And I, I've seen uh, cases where in technology where people can monitor what they're doing, monitor what they're breathing. And I think that's going to be a game changer because your generation coming up, they like the data, they like the assurance. So you think about um, someone in the past, they just look at the surfaces, they, they say it's clean or it's not clean. Does it smell good? It smells good, so it must be clean. But now we can look at the data, we can look at the testing. And I think that's gonna drive things. So consumer awareness is gonna help. And I, I see your point about it's gonna be around for a generation, but how quickly we can forget when things are put aside. That's, that's my concern. Um, we, we don't wanna lose that momentum. So how, you know, we gotta keep that going. You're absolutely right. And you mentioned about the technology and the data. And, you know, we had talked, um, you know, previously that we're in the process of rolling out an entire monitoring program on a nationwide platform and eventually it'll go international. But it's about monitoring data at locations and making that data available to the people that make adjustments and decisions monetarily as to what they do with their indoor air quality, plus the public. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the short version is all this data that's being captured can be put on a very simple 60-inch TV at the front door of a big corporation as you walk in. Your current indoor air quality conditions are, and people see it walking in. So, And they might walk people, out. And walk out, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, that's absolutely uh, correct. It's kind of like the uh, restaurant that you go into 
that all of a sudden the health department has gone in and given them a C rating instead of that A plus rating. It's like, maybe I'll go eat next door. You know, it's another way of showing confidence in your facility and your ability to keep it clean to the consumer. And again, it's all consumer driven, like you said. So, I mean, this stuff is what's going to keep this going, you know, for some time. Our monitoring program will be launching next month. Um, that is something we've had a lot of excitement about. And uh, I know we haven't talked in a lot of detail with, with you about that, but it's something that's going to break quickly. The people involved in our beta testing right now, I mean, I've got nothing but favorable uh, remarks about it. There's a lot of excitement around it. So I think that's part of what's going to help this education going forward continue. So it's a cool project you're working on. And I, I have to think that anyone walking into a building and they see the, the air quality. I mean, when you're on the interstate and you're driving and there's an alert on a sign that says air quality is whatever, you pay attention to that. Absolutely. You know, wh- why is it low? And what is that fog I'm driving into? So I know you're talking about a higher level uh, product that's going to really show the data, but, but we do want to know where we're going and when we get there, what's it going to be like? We have to breathe, as you mentioned, but uh, what are we going to be breathing? Well, that's a fun. That, that's that's a funny statement because you mentioned before about you know having the air smell better, and there's things we can do to make the air smell better in our environments. But what you're doing is actually adding VOCs or volatile organic compounds, chemicals to that breathable air to give it that smell. You're not really smelling roses. You're smelling something that's artificially creating that smell. And you're inhaling chemicals. Are you a myth buster or what? <clears throat> you know, it's just that whole reality check thing. <laughs> you know, yeah, it smells good, but what are you really smelling? And is that affecting the air you're breathing? Are you saying in my orange Gatorade, there's no real oranges in there? You know, Doug, Doug uses the example of, um, I, I'm trying to think, I think it's the FDA that puts limits on contaminants in water. And they say that water containing 50 parts per million of arsenic is acceptable. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just leave that question out there. Is that acceptable? You're drinking arsenic? You good with that? Only a little bit. Only a little bit. So, you know, it, it, it's that kind of stuff. If you have a choice, I'm sure you would want to drink the water without the arsenic. I, I would vote <laughs> for that. Yes. Right. So with indoor air quality, if you have a choice of breathing air that doesn't have the chemistries in it to make it smell better, covering up a real problem, that might be something you would choose. Yes. Agreed. You know, so, so and, and but you come to, put one of those machines in my house and I'll look at the signs and I'll know if I'm safe or not. Okay. <laughs> well, well, we'll talk about that after. <laughs> I, I, I think it's something that, um, this is the right time. That's the only way I, I can describe it for this type of technology. About 15 years ago, um, I worked with a company that we had tried to bring a similar technology to the marketplace. Actually, it was using Motorola equipment at the time, and it was using telemetry. That's how far back we're going with the way it communicated. The internet wasn't stable enough. There wasn't enough speed. The technology wasn't there. It was ahead of its time but the technology wasn't there to support it. 15 years later, wow, now, you know, computers and everything as far as they've gotten advanced can handle all this with everything cloud-based. So this now would be the time for this type of deployment. 
and uh, I think that's where we're at. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm trying to remember. There was a few things that I did want to talk to you about, um, other than you know, basically, you know, the magazines. It's kind of like what else you got in the works. You know, any surprises you can kind of like let out or not let out that you can accidentally let out. Yeah, well, if there were surprises, it wouldn't be if I let it out. But no, I can't think of any big secrets to share with you, Lance. But um, looking forward to trade shows coming up and getting out and meeting people. We've been doing that. We've done a couple of trade shows already, and it was nice seeing people in person. Uh, So that's good. Um, No, every every day is is fun, and I'm always looking for some angle for media. Um, our video program is doing great. We're approaching a million views on that in the past couple of years. So we're no uh, Justin Bieber or some famous rock star that gets millions and millions for each video we do, but we're happy with what we're doing. People are watching just like they do with yours. And it's, it's a small industry in a way, but important people. And so we're trying to make sure we give them what they need. Um, that's a constant thing, always doing that, trying to provide content that is consumable uh, that they can't get somewhere else is easy. No, you're right with that. So with that, <clears throat> let, let's flip this interview around a little bit. You're very comfortable in the interviewer type uh, position. So is there any questions you want to ask me? Yes, uh, a few questions. And I am more comfortable asking questions. Um, it's a little easier to do, I think. But I, I enjoy being mm-hmm. a guest on your show, Lance. Very nice. And I've been around a few Normie folks at other training opportunities. So a great group. But tell me, how long has Normie been around? Uh, 2004, July 4th, I believe, was the actual creation date. And I've actually been with them since 2006. Okay. And what was the purpose back then? And has that changed over the years? Well, Doug Doug tells the story that um, prior to Katrina, he had started doing some training on indoor air quality, and it had a lot to do with uh, being able to help with the sales of purification technologies and stuff like that. People being trained and having knowledge of the industry and products make it easier to sell the products. Mm-hmm. So they started doing training. They became a training organization, and I believe it was the state of Louisiana approached Doug to do training for them. And then, you know, a year later, Katrina hit after they had been doing training, and then it just took off from there. Okay. So, so thinking about the training classes you've been doing, how have they improved? Someone looking in, why would they choose Normie? Well, the, the training, I mean, just since I've been on board, which is 16 years now, I mean, it was a lower level intro level into doing indoor air quality and mold assessment, and then touched on mold remediation after that. And that's expanded out by need and want. Uh, we went from a, uh, an eight-hour inspection-type class on how to do sampling and create a business model to uh, three days training as our basic class now for mold assessment and mold remediation, followed by some really high-end classes, uh, advanced stuff, um, like a CAIA class or indoor air quality spe- um, assessor class. It's an advanced course. It's a uh, two-day, I'm going to say around uh, the clock course because uh, Doug and I both teach that and we take mm-hmm. a small group uh, into a hotel setting and we are together for three straight days. 
you know, it, it's really intense the way that it's taught. Um, we have a few other classes. Michael Pinto is one of the instructors teaching some really high-end classes for us and a few other people that we are bringing in. So it, the level of training has exponentially advanced over the last 15, 16 years where we are today. And it's really the industry standard. Mm -hmm. So when you think about a company that's maybe getting started or it's been around a short time, it knows what it's doing. It's got, you know, it's, it's out there doing some work. When they become part of an organization like Normie, what real advantage does that give them? Can, can you think of maybe a, a case where someone joined and just, wow, they really, they really excelled at what they're doing now? Well, I can give you a few examples just from the comments of our classes. <clears throat> we'll have a lot of people that come that have been in the, I've been in the industry 20 years. I've done everything. You know, I had to do everything. And usually by the end of the first to the second day, they'll start meeting with our instructors saying, you know, I've learned how much I really need to learn. You know, it's a different set of eyes. They're, they're looking at the industry when they come to Normie. And there's a reason for that. Doug, who actually has created the direction of Normie, has a very, very strong building background. He was, he was a, a builder. He still has his building licenses in, I believe, Florida. And we look at the industry from a building science perspective, not from a water loss or an event, not from, uh, you know, what college classes you've taken, but from building science. And a lot of people that have been out there doing this work never approached it from that from that specific side and they start to see that well yeah the building is kind of like a, a living creature that as things change in the building so does your approach and that's how we look at it and we teach that concept that you know you're, you're working with a building that's an entity and it's it's very different it's a different approach it's a different way of dealing with the problems and people are very surprised when they see that and say i never thought of that mm -hmm. have you ever had someone come in kind of like what you just mentioned with some experience they knew what they thought they knew what they were doing and they no doubt did but they came in with an attitude like i got to take this i have to get the certification to get the jobs the customers want me to have this and they had attitude and they changed they usually become members <laughs> and, and truthfully because it's different than what they were used to. It's different than the pattern that they've been doing for the last 10 or 15, 20 years. And all of a sudden they see <clears throat> by looking at it with a different set of eyes, different verticals, different mm -hmm. um, prospects that are out there where they can increase their revenue share. Um, I, I have a, a good friend that owns a very large air conditioning mechanical contracting company. And for years, I talked to him about indoor air quality. And he's like, I stay in my lane. You know, we're, we're really good. We're a multi-million dollar company. We stay in our lane. COVID hit. And he started getting the phone calls about indoor air quality mm. and filtration and opportunity, and proactive stuff. And he called me and I started talking to him. He, he is fully on board. He sees that there's an entire new market out there for indoor air quality. And it changed his perspective of what they do, which they do very well. And now they've added to it. They've enhanced their product offerings because of looking at it differently. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's very positive when people come to us like that. Yeah. Indoor air quality as an acronym has been around a while, but it, it's really meant something with the pandemic. 
let's talk about mold. Um, mold is in your name. Yeah. Normie, mold. Water damage is not. What do you do with those who want water damage training? At the moment, uh, we're actually approved to uh, teach the uh, WRT class. So we do offer that. Uh, we have the instructors from the IICRC. They actually come in, they teach that. And uh, we just take that and we go from there with building science to the next step and go, well, your next option would be mold remediation. You've done your water drying. You know, um, mold is another aspect of that, but so is bacteria. You know, you, you, know um, you get all different types of water losses that create all types of, I'll just say in general pollution problems within the environment. So you go from the water drying to the next piece of mold to bacteria, then you get into more, again, back to the indoor air quality, the bigger umbrella. You know, it's just the starting point that you're at. Mm -hmm. So my last question is, what is going to happen next? What's the next big thing for Normie? You're doing training. You're, you're, you have products coming out. What's, what's, the, what's going to move the needle for you folks? Well, it, it's already moving. And, and again, I'm beating the same drum, but as we're educating. <laughs> we do that sometimes. The, yeah, we're, we're, we're educating the public that it's not just about seeing mold on the wall. You know, I've been asked the question, is that good or mold or good mold or bad mold? I said, do you want it there? They go, no, so then it's bad. You know, it, it's that simple. Yeah, there are different types, but we're dealing a lot now with uh, sensitized individuals. That's become a very, very large piece of the market share. Uh, it's estimated about 20% of the population is reaching that classification of sensitized individuals. 350 million people in the U.S. It's about 70 million people that fall into that category. Hmm. It's a very large piece, and it requires a higher end of training. You need to know how to deal with these customers and their projects differently than you would from a regular mold assessment or remediation project. That's a big change that's coming. Um, this monitoring program, very big change to the industry. It's going to be awareness. It. It's the awareness shock factor, I guess, equivalent to asking somebody, how many times a day do you take a breath? Well, I don't know, a few hundred times. I said, how about 20,000 is the average? No, you know, and you see that shock factor on them that all of a sudden the reality of what is really happening is there. So the monitoring is giving them a live uh, view, an understandable knowledge base of what's going on in their environment and now they have the ability to control it so like that shock value of the we spray chemicals to cover up the smell to um, how many breaths a day do you take to now having control over your environment and managing how many breaths you take and the quality of air that's big and that's going to continue so so circle back to the sensitivity issue Sensitivities to what? Well, uh, the, biologicals, the, the biologicals are the, uh, the common thing. You know, I'm allergic to pollen. I'm allergic to uh, dust and dander, mold. You know, the triggers. Like I'm sorry? The triggers. Yes. That was it. The basic triggers. But now with the awareness of everything else that's going on, you had mentioned earlier about you know, spraying something or using chemicals to make it smell better. 
people are as reactive to that as they are to the biologicals, mm. the chemicals that are in there, are chemically sensitized individuals. And that's also part of the sensitized program of how do you clean somebody's environment or make it better without making it toxic on the chemical side? You know, the off-gassing products that'll off-gas for a year or two, you know, formaldehyde increased in all the products that we're bringing into our homes, uh, furniture, carpeting, things like that, that does affect people. And, you know, it's how to help them, which is a whole new industry. I've heard of formaldehyde in products, and I've heard some say that that's not true. Are, are formaldehydes used in products that will off-gas in our homes? Heavily. Okay. Uh, especially products that are coming from overseas. Um, there was a, uh, mm. a big recall uh, several years back on flooring that came from China. And it came in through a discount firm, and it was heavily contaminated with formaldehyde, where the floors after being installed had to be completely ripped out. So, yes, it, it, it is a thing. Um, FEMA, I believe, had an issue with the uh, emergency trailers that they brought in for Katrina. They were contaminated with formaldehyde. And I'm saying contaminated, not like somebody sprayed formaldehyde in there. Just the materials that were used to build mm -hmm. it were treated with formaldehyde as preservatives. But they continue to off-gas and the trailers were unusable. And that can be monitored. That can be detected through technology. Yes, it can. Actually, the monitoring program that we're doing uh, has a formaldehyde uh, sensing module in that. So it will give you ongoing readings of that. Well, that, that's a huge number of people that are potential clients of NORMI members or ISSA members because you can't ignore that. No, no. And, and you know, it, it's, it doesn't have to be a, uh, a chemical that's going to appear on you know, the periodic table. It could be something that's uh, simple just by putting... I don't want to say too many people, but a larger number of people in a room that's not designed for that many people. We're not bringing enough fresh air in, so your CO2 levels go up, not carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, where that's just a product of people breathing. Mm -hmm. Well, you start getting very high levels of that. People get headaches, they get tired, you know, so those are things that are very easy to control now if you know there's a problem. Sure. Well, and I think too, I don't know how long you want to keep talking, but if someone has an issue, they're going to, that's going to expand in their mind. So they, they may have the psychological aspect of this as well. Well, absolutely. And, and you see that with your readers, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure you're getting feedback from people when these articles come out, you know, how many, and you can tell just by uh, the numbers of how many people are actually opening your media and stuff like that, mm -hmm. that there's a, a great increase there. I mean, you have to be seeing that. You know, especially when these things come out with these hot topics. Again, I go back to indoor air quality, you know, or mold or viruses. As soon as these words pop up, you know, uh, I'm sure your readership goes, you know, much higher on those articles. They're definitely searched for more. That's that's true. And opened through emails and on our digital publications. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We, we've chatted a bit. Uh, I've interviewed you. You've interviewed me. You know, unless we pull somebody else in the room. I think we're good for now, but uh, I've enjoyed this. Um, yeah. We may have to uh, do this again and uh, we'll do the dual interview type of thing here. Well, and from this conversation, Lance, we need to do something in media about that 70 million people. Absolutely. The opportunities Absolutely. there, the need, the need for training to address those concerns. Yeah. I mean, and, and it is true. I mean, I'm sure anybody that's going to be seeing this 
has to know somebody that has allergies or is going for allergy shots or for some reason um, their breathing condition has changed or their health has changed recently. It could be as simple as the new carpeting they brought in the house, you know? Yeah. So, that kind yeah. of person, there's one 30 feet from me. So yeah, there you <laughs> we go. all do know someone. Yeah. All right. Well, I right, appreciate Lance. you being here. Uh, thank you for taking the time. And uh, again, it was enjoyable. And yeah, thank you. Uh, hopefully we'll get some really positive feedback from our members about this and more people taking on to uh clean facts I, I only want the positive don't tell me the negative no, no tell me everything be, there's not going to be negative so <laughs> stand by a second would you yep <laughs>